Today's, today's scripture reading is from Matthew, Matthew 11, 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burdens are light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I am. Good morning again. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm pastor of spiritual formation. Our lead pastor, Scott, is out of town. He and his family are on vacation, just getting some rest. We'll be back soon. But please pray for them, that God will fill them and, and just rejuvenate them in this time and give them the rest that even we're going to talk about this morning a little bit. You know, last night, my brother, he called me and he sent me this video and he says, Hey, do you think this video is worthy of America's Funny Some Videos? And so he sends me, he gets in this race with his, his son and they, they take off and about half, his son was talking junk all day, you know, and. So anyway, they race. My brother's barefooted. He totally wipes out, of course, and his son beats him. Hilarious, right? And we're all watching it as a family. We hang up with him. Well, in two weeks, we're going on vacation with them. And my whole family, when we hung up, like, God, I can't, we can't wait to be with them. We're longing for the beach. We're longing to be with our family. And literally, all the kids, me, my wife, we're all just really excited to go on vacation soon. We, we want to rest. We need this soul rest that Jesus talks about. And you know, for many of you, I'm sure you need it too. And, and that's why, you know, we finished the series last week on this port, the portrait of Jesus. We've been in for weeks now, months even. And we start a new series next week on the Psalms. But for this week, they gave me the choice. What are you going to preach on? I wanted to preach on rest. And, and I'm preaching on this because this is what I need. I needed Jesus to meet with me this week and this morning. And, and I hope that you can see your need this morning, that you would come like a little child and allow Jesus to, to see your burdens and to see where you are. Because that's what this passage is about. And, and as we think about vacation, it's always, I want to go. I want to unyoke. I want to get away. I want to go there and get, get out of these things. And, and our passage challenges us a little bit. Jesus says, actually, rest is in being yoked, not unyoked. That's our challenge this morning. And what does that mean for us? How can we see and be so weary, and come to a God who says, actually, I, w- I want you to be yoked. I want you to, to take my burden upon you. And so we're going to dive into our passage, and, I, and I'm going to do it maybe a little different than, than normal. I, I don't really have points. I'm just going to kind of walk through the passage. And, and, and I noticed, I was telling Reed that as I prepared for this, it seems like this passage is so simple. It's so well known, which really convicts us, right? Because do our lives really feel unburdened? <laughs> Do they feel like we, that, that his yoke is easy, his burden is light? No, right? And some of the familiarity of the passage 
convicts us in a way. But I don't want to get in the way of that either. So I want to slowly just slow down, look at our passage, and just see what, how Jesus would care for us this morning and teach us how to get that soul rest that he talks about. So let's walk through it together. Let's bring our anxieties. Let's bring our lonelinesses. Let's bring our, our struggles to him. So as we jump in, I want to give you a little context because we're, we're right in the middle of the book of Matthew. And Matthew is this incredible book, and it's pretty complex in a lot of ways, but also very simple. But in our passage, John the Baptist is at the beginning. And John the Baptist is seeing and hearing about all these things about Jesus. And so he sends messengers because he's in prison, and he says, are you the one? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus basically says yes. He's like the blind see, the lame walk, the, 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 those who can't hear, hear. The leper is being cleansed. I'm here, basically. And so then Jesus goes and he talks and he begins talking to the religious leaders of the time. And he says to them, John came, he didn't eat, you know, he, he didn't party, and you said he had a demon. I come eating, I go to parties, I'm around these people, you, you say I'm a glutton. Neither one of us will you repent for. And then he, then he goes on, and, and then right before our passage, he gives these woes. Remember Scott preached on the woes a few, few weeks ago, these these, these, these warnings, these calls, these judgments on these cities. He says, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, you cities, woe to you. For I did these great works among you, and you didn't repent. You didn't turn. You saw me, and it didn't land with you. You didn't turn to, and follow me in that way. And I, and I love it because here, the message in our, where our passage starts, it says this, Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Our passage says this morning, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. Jesus begins praying. It's like he, the judgment, it's building, it's building, and he can't help but begin praying now because of that judgment, because of what he's feeling, the tension and those things going on in him. What is a prayer between the Father and Son here but an invitation to hear a divine conversation, right? There's a, it's Jesus talking to the Father. And so I'm going to read these, these verses to you again, 25 to 27, I believe. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. I don't know if you know, but this is the first time in Scripture that Jesus says, my Father. He's called him Father, but this time he says, my Father. And he says that, that his Father has hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And he, there's a contrast here with little children, right? This contrast here. And, and what, we, what we see is what he's saying is that the, the wise and understanding are those that don't see their need. They're those that kind of have it figured out, those who don't need Jesus. And the little children are those who, who, who come quickly, who, who are open. Notice it doesn't say older children, right? Because I have some of those, and they, they have a harder time. They think they're wise and understanding, right? But he says like little children, those who are really needy is, is who he says comes. And I love this verse. I don't have it up there for you, but it's really quick. I'm going to read it. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 21. It says this. It says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. You hear that? In the wisdom of God, the world did not know him through our wisdom. 
why would that be wise of God? Why would it be wise of God to not let it be about our wisdom? Hopefully, just that verse alone begins to allow you to feel some freedom. It's not based on what we know. It's not how wise we are. It's not how obedient we are, how faithful we are. That's not what makes us know God. In his wisdom, he put it on himself. It's, it's him. He says that, that the one who I will reveal him to is what Jesus says. And so in his wisdom, he, made it, he put the onus on himself for us to know him. All things are handed over to Jesus by the Father. So this deep intimacy, special relationship that Jesus is showing that he has with the Father, which, just so you know, this text right here, 25 through 27, is, is a gold mine. It's one of the most beautiful, mysterious passages ever, where the Father and Son's relationship is revealed. The way the Father loves the Son. The way the Father knows the Son like no one else, and vice versa. The way the Son knows the Father. And, and with the judgment, with everything he's calling out, woe to you, you didn't repent, I know the Father, and I want to tell, come to me. Do you see the context? The judgment, the lack of repentance, the hard hearts, come to me. You see how kind he is? That, that's where we start. Is our, our passage shows you how good and kind he is. Even he, just as judgment rolls off his lips, he can't help but then to tell them how special his relationship is with the Father, who he is, and he's known by the Father, and he wants you to be in on that. He wants us to know him in that way. So what will it mean? How, will we, how, how, does, he, how does he do that? And he says, come to me. Let's read 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus calls us to come right after the warning. And he allows us to hear what's been handed to him. He says, come to me, I want to give it to you. It's not rules. It's not beliefs. It's not a way of life. Come to a person. Come to me, he says. Come to me. You know, as I, a lot of you know, a lot of my role here at the church is to do a lot of counseling and a lot of care. And I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. It is my favorite thing to do. Much more so than preaching, actually. Uh, I really enjoy just being in your stories and sitting with you and knowing you. But, you know, one of the things as I've gotten older, especially, and as I've sat with many of you in your stories that I've seen that I'm repenting of personally is that I can't change you. You can't change you. At the end of the day, we can know your story, we can know your patterns, we can know your sin, we can know idolatry, we can know the things, the traumas that have overwhelmed your body and have hurt you, but at the end of the day, we need Jesus. We need Him. We need connection with Him. You know the word soteriology? It's the study of salvation, right? It's, it literally means salvation, right? This, the, it literally means to be cleansed, to be healed, to be whole. The word salvation does. Jesus in coming to him, he is where wholeness is found. It's not counseling. It's not knowing our story. It's these things that we love and we value. But all of that can't get in the way of knowing him, of having him, of learning what it means to be connected to him. He says, come to me. And so that's where our passage takes us from the judgment to a person. He is the one who, who is connected with the Father that can give us this wholeness we long for. Come to me. That's why we all the time 
repointed out in our mission, we say joining God. As we'll talk about discipleship in a moment, joining God is family on mission for the renewal of all things. God is at work in your lives. He's at work in mine. How can we join him in the ways he's leading in our lives? That's the mission of this church is to join him in all the work he's doing as we come to him. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Now labor, uh, some of your translations, if you have NIV or others, it says weary. All who are weary, all, all who labor, just you get the sense of someone, just, there's a, this person is tired. There, there is something on them. Heavy laden is it, it's, it's used of freight on a ship. You imagine a ship, you know, where it's here, and then the freight gets on it, and it's down into the water, right? You know, you know that, that, that police even look at vehicles that are carrying loads. They look at how the tires are, you know? Like, is it weighed down or not? Are, are you laden and, and burdened? Is this overwhelming you? Is the freight on you too heavy? So all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, all who have this burden on them, come to me, he says. Uh, Israel was burdened by the spiritual leaders. Uh, many of you know this, uh, but uh, Matthew 23, 4 says, uh, Jesus confronting them, he says that these leaders, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. These leaders, bear, they put these burdens on you. And so even in the Old Testament, the Torah was called the, the yoke of the Torah. You would put that on you, and, and you would learn the law, and you would live the law out, right? And that's what he's talking about here. But see, what happened is the leaders said, we don't want to break the law, so we're going to create all these things to make sure you don't do them. And so some things I read were like, for example, on the Sabbath, you can write a two-letter word, but you can't write a three-letter word. That would be pushing it a little far, right? You, you can walk so many paces, but... but not this. You know, you, you, you don't cook on the Sabbath. So, you know, make sure your, your meal's prepared beforehand. There's all these little things to keep you from making sure we never break the law. And it was a burden that the people carried. And you, and you know what? They began to feel, well, well, am I doing enough? Am I not? Am I good enough? Am I not? Is God blessing me? Is Maybe that happened because I haven't been doing these things enough. And it became this superstitious, weird, I don't know, am I? This back and forth confusion. How many of you feel like that with your faith? You ever, you ever see it in your prayers where you've really struggled in, in sin and you begin to pray and you can't get past it? Like, God, forgive me. I looked at it again. I'm sorry. And you, you have to go through these little places of woe to yourself to finally get to the thing you really need to talk to God about. There's this system of prayer to get to that intimacy. I can't ask him for anything because I know this is in my life. We have these ways that we do this, or at least I do, and maybe you do too. And so, these burdens are laid on us. Am I moral enough? Am I good enough? Am I pious enough? And we see them lived out with, in our lives, the way we look around and we calculate. Is my family doing as good as their family? Financially, am I, am, I, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I making enough in life right now based on where others are? Right, This comparison and calculating all the time. Am I, am, I, am I being asked to do things enough like someone else in my career would be? Again, just these cycles happening. And you can see this burden on us. This burden, whether it's religious or with our work or with our marriage or with our singleness 
these different things just grabbing our hearts. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me all. And he, and he says, in coming, come like a child. Now, I don't know if you've been following, but this is some great news going on, some hilarious news out there. If you, if you begin to read in the stock world what happened with GameStop back in, like, February. Anybody watch that, the short squeeze that went on? Yeah. Well, it might happen again with AMC. Have you seen that? And so everybody's jumping on board with AMC right now. The stock's down here. Everybody thinks it's going to go 300000 100000 uh, you know, all this going on. What's amazing, though, is if you begin reading the chats, it, it feels very young and very childish. I can't wait to get my Lambo. That's what a lot of people say. And then they, then they say things like this. Have conviction. Have conviction because you know what? We're going to stick it to the man finally. The man has been getting his, his this entire time. We've been oppressed. We're not getting our money. We're going to stick it to the, to the hedge funds. The hedgies is what they call them. We need our tendies. We're going to stick it to the hedgies. We're going to get them. And it's this, this hilarious language that you see and this hope. And everyone's talking about this hope and like what could come maybe. And, and they're the, literally the leaders of this movement are 23, 24, 25-year-old YouTubers getting on there, putting on these videos, and people are so excited about it. And, you know, if you, if you pull back and look, there's something actually very beautiful about it. It's so young. It's like little children. Th- these aren't people who are educated in at Wall Street. And you know what's crazy? It's working. It's a movement that's working. These hedge funds involve billions, and these people, like, they're literally license tags. GME uh, squeeze is what it'll say on it. And it's, it's a Lambo. Like, somebody's made tons of money off this stuff. And you see this childish way, this conviction that people have. People long for that. They long to be connected. They, we, we want something to finally come and give us what we've been looking for. You know, and there's, there's one of these guys. He gets on his videos and he says this, though. You know, over a third, almost half of people who win the lottery are bankrupt in just a few years. No matter how much they win. Because it, it, you might get yoked to that money. But the burden's too much. It's out of place. It won't give you what you're looking for. So yes, there's this childishness, this conviction that goes into it. But but it's a bait and switch. It won't it, it won't give what's promised. It won't give it. What 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 are what are, what are we looking to in the same way? What brings that childish excitement out for us? Is it him? Because as we go to our next pet page. Our next uh, verse, and we think about how weary and heavy laden life can be for us. How how marriage feels like such a burden and weight sometimes. How not being married feels like such a burden. How work feels. Oh, I just want to get away from it, right? That's that's how we kind of know what we're carrying here. What feels? I just oh, it feels so heavy on my back. Now we come to verse twenty nine. Let's read it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light as 30. Now, now think about how strange this is. You who are burdened, you who have all this on you, come to me and I'm going to give you something. I'm going to put something on you for work. Guys, a yoke is for work. That's what it's for. It's not for rest. It's for work. And so... You have to stop and, turn, you know, you kind of do the dog head tilt. Like, what? What's he, what's he saying here? And look at, look at what a yoke looks like. You know, we don't use yokes very much. We, we do in some ways. 
the picture? Is it popping up? Yeah, there you go. That's a yoke. That's what a yoke looks like. And it's this wooden beam that goes across beasts of burdens, right? Beasts who are supposed to pull or carry something. It goes across them, bringing them together so that they can do this together. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so Jesus would say that he's assuming here that there is a yoke already. Because he says, take my yoke. We all have a yoke. We're all yoked to something. We're all yoked to something. And, And whatever that is we're connected to has a burden that we drag with it. You see that? There's something we're connected with that has a weight, that has something that, that you're called to do in line with what you're connected to. That's what Jesus is, is pointing out here. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Mine. So the disciples in those days would go to a teacher and they would say, so the teacher didn't choose a disciple. Jesus, when he did that, was very backwards of what society was like. Disciples would go and say, hey, teacher, I want to become like you. And then they would follow in his footsteps. They literally, they, they always talked about the dust on the rabbi's feet would, would get on their cloaks because they would follow and do everything. He would, this, this master would become central in their lives. Whatever he did, they would begin to do. The disciples would become their community and they would literally give their life to serving this master in order to become like him. Jesus is using that metaphor here. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Make me central in your life. Remember, everything's been given to me. Make me the, the, the central authority in who you are. Now think about that for, what, for, for a few minutes, for a few seconds, as modern Americans. That to give up your authority, to, to give up your freedom is rest? Is that what Jesus is saying? To be yoked, to be tied up with him is rest? What? This is so countercultural. This is so different. And, and, and no offense, but kind of to us, to all of us here, we don't like this, right? And, and how do we see it? We see it because we get in our Bible studies. We're doing First Peter, and we love those things. And then First Peter and Monday have very little to do with each other. Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, how we think about the gospel has very little to do. Like, I'll be in conversations with, with you and, and, and you with me. And, and we'll start talking about marriage or hardships or addictions. And, all right, well, what does Jesus say to this? How does he speak to this? And it's, it's not even a thought. How I treat my spouse, he is not informing how I treat my spouse. I treat her some kind of way, and then I go, I go study First Peter. They're, they're two different things. So to be yoked to him means our lives are, are under his yoke. He becomes the, the central guide of our lives, is what this passage is telling us. And there is a gap that we, we, we must deal with, friends. We, we must deal with together. Um, forgive me. <laughs> I keep getting dry mouth. So he's saying you're connected with something. And if we, we must see that if anything like marriage... Marriage, I don't know whether you're single or you're not today, marriage can still be something you're yoked with, whether you have it or you don't have it, right? Meaning, so this thing, if it's ultimate, if it becomes the guiding factor of your life, your spouse is the one that's supposed to fulfill you. They're the ones that, that in this, 
that my burden will be dealt with because I'm connected to them. And then they end up failing you, right? Then they end up not pulling their weight. Come on, if you would just pull a little more, we'd be okay, right? And we, we're back and forth here, right? Because what Jesus is talking about is what's ultimate. What gives soul rest can't be a spouse. It can't be a job. It can't be not having a spouse. It can't be not having a job, right? Th- these things can't be ultimate. They can't be what gives us soul rest, what makes us most secure, what leads to our identity. They, that has to be Jesus is what he's saying. You know, I love talking about addiction here because I, I know all of us have forms of addiction at times, things that we go into and we look to, to numb or to relief, for relief or to escape from, just different things. But there, there's a video that I'd love you to go watch. If you, if you sit with me at all, I'd usually try to make you watch this video. But the video is called Everything you think, We Think We Knew About Addiction is Wrong. And it's this, I think he's British, and you know, I love just listening to the guy, but it really is brilliant. And what he does is he talks about the rat in the cage. You know how we've always thought about addiction is like you have a water, you know, you got one water, it's, a wa- it's just regular water, then you got one laced with cocaine, and you got this rat. And he goes, and he drinks the water, and then he drinks the cocaine water. And, oof, the cocaine water's good. So he keeps going back to it. Next thing you know, he's dead in the cage, right? Someone came along later and says, wait a second. There are only two options. What if we put other rats in the cage? What if we put, like, toys and other things, right? And so they make this cage with all this amazing stuff in it. The rat goes, drinks both waters. He drinks the water with the cocaine in it, and then he he gets away from it. Never goes back to it. None of the rats do. And so his conclusion is this. He says, it turns out we don't have an addiction problem. We don't have a substance problem. We have a cage problem. It's brilliant. And listen. We, we don't have an, a, a, an attachment problem. We don't have, it's not that we're just attached to the wrong thing. To, uh, how can I say it? We're not just attached to this thing because, but when we don't attach to the right thing, we will attach to the wrong thing. That's what, that's what this addiction philosophy is teaching us, that we were made to bond. We were made to be near Jesus, and something, we will have to be near something. And if it's not the right thing, we will go and bond with the wrong things, right? And so we, we need to hear this call to be attached to him this morning. And I love it because he says this. Well, I, I love it because it, it's exposing something. I mean, he says this. He says, attached to me, be yoked to me. And many of us will say this. Well, well I am, I think, but I, I still feel burdened. I feel heavy laden still. He says, he says, all who are weary, let me read it again. He says, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see that? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's what we call discipleship. That is discipleship. And, it, and what it's telling us this morning is that, yes, you can be a believer and be very young in these areas. You can be young and, and, and still be looking to these other things to find life in. And Jesus says, come, come along, learn with me. And, and the, the, the picture of a yoke is so important. You saw up there, it's two holes, right? And, I, and maybe you've heard this before, but the way they would do this is they would take a, a, an oxen that's mature, one who's plowed the fields, and they knew four words, which were right, left, straight, and hauled, or something like that, right? And then they would take an oxen that didn't know these things, and they'd put him next to the one who did know. And then they would begin to plow. And early on, you know what that young one would do? It would pull. 
and it would try to go this way, and it would try to go that way. It would try to stop because the burden was so much, right? And the big oxen was stronger, and it would slowly, over time, teach that young one. And, 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 and that young one would be, begin to bear some of that burden and begin to get that strength. And next thing you know, they're pulling together. That's discipleship, friends. You have a God who's, who says, I will be yoked with you. I'm going to be connected to you. And you know what? When he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is like, you know what the word easy means? It means fitting. He, he's never going to put something on us that's not fitting, that doesn't fit right. And so we're in this yoke with him, and he begins to pull. And, and, and early on especially, you see the burden is fully on him. Other mature people can really see that. We don't feel that. We just, we're pulling away and moving, and Jesus slowly begins to teach us the rhythms of his grace, the rhythms of what it means to pull. And yes, over time, he lets you experience more of that burden, but it's always easy. It's always light because he's pulling with you. And so that has to become what trains us, what, what, how we grow. Our discipleship is getting yoked to the one who says he, he's with us. And why is this important? And you know this is the only time that Jesus talks about his heart is in our passage. He never speaks of his heart any other place. And what does he say here? He says, my heart. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What is this saying? He's saying, as you walk with me, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. It's going to be too much at times. It's what it's going to feel like to you. But I'm gentle. I'm soft. I'm tender. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you move forward. And so, friends, this morning, if, you, if you're failing, if you're caught in an addiction cycle, and that shame and that self-contempt you just feel and you carry, it's not from him. It's not his eyes. It's someone else's eyes looking at you. It's maybe even your own self-contempt. He says, I'm gentle. I'm lowly. Lowly means low social status. He's, he's down there with this is what he's saying. His heart is gentle and lowly. So think about that for a second. If Jesus knows the Father and he's revealing the heart of the Father, this is what God's like. He's gentle and lowly. He walks with us. He wants us connected with, with the Father, I mean with the Son, so that we can learn his unforced rhythms of life, and his heart is gentle and lowly, will you come to him and allow him to guide you, allow him to lead you, and to become strong, become restful, become rested by being connected to him. That's, that's what's being challenged this morning. You know, in the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, in some, some conversations with some of you, and it's been some single folks and some married folks, but it's, it's pretty cool, you know, especially when Jen and I are sitting with some of the married couples in the room, and and just kind of giving you some of our story. I love it because our marriage was so bad for so long. And it's so different now. I just, I want, when, when, when a marriage is, is in front of us that's really struggling, we want so bad for you to know that you can have something different. And, and I, I feel that so deeply, right? And, but, I, but I love where God has been taking me lately. Because we've been learning story. We've been learning different patterns of relating. And then it, it comes down to something. And I've, I've said this to probably four different people recently. I've said, you know, it's kind of interesting. God has you painted in a corner here, right? And some of you may smile if I said that to you. But he's, he's got you in a corner. You know what that corner is? It turns out she doesn't deserve your love. Well, it turns out you don't deserve her love. You failed each other so much. And so to love one another for this marriage or for this friendship, for, for you to move forward, 
You have to have a love that you don't deserve. Where have we heard that before? That's how God loves us. So your very failure, your struggles, this burden that you're carrying, it, it can be the very thing that allows you to bring that kind of love into this marriage, into this friendship, into yourself. And that kind of love we know is promised to change us. It's the love where we don't deserve it. And he loves us. He, he, he says not only that you deserve judgment, but come to me. It's almost like you can't get it out quick enough. Come to me and I'll give you the rest. I'll give you that soul rest. Yeah, you don't deserve it, but I will give it to you. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly. That's where rest comes from. And I love that because he does paint us into a corner. Our, you know, uh, one, one leader says that the Sabbath of all the commandments is the one that, that, you know, if you commit adultery, you kind of know it, right? When, when you don't rest well, when you're not doing the Sabbath, no one comes out and says, hey, you're not doing the Sabbath. You know, it, it finds you, right? Your body is made to feel when it's not rested. He put it literally inside of you. When you don't obey these places, you will break down. You will not flourish. You will not be able to do the things he's calling you to do. And so, yeah, it doesn't chase you down. He says, go ahead, begin to do it, right? But, but this rest that he calls us to, this, this places, these places of slowing down and receiving him, having him here, right? This is, this is the place that's beautiful because here is where he, he slows down with you. And he says, I want to give you this connected to me. I don't want you to go away. And pretend like you're just going to leave it back here and go to the beach and your worries are going to go away. No, that's not how it works. Now, if you want rest, stay connected with me. Get connected with me. You know, my son, uh, Graham, we played the soccer season and he played up, right? And so Neil had him play left front, which is like, it's called striker. I don't know enough about soccer, so I explain it when I do because I'm just learning it. But he plays front left because he's left-footed. And every week I'm like, you know, so Noah, Neil's son, is really good, and he's moving that ball up, and he's, he's over here on the right side, and I'm like, Graham, far post, far post, and I'm screaming at him, and he's, you know, he's like, you know, just kind of like back and forth there, and he doesn't do it, and I'm like, Graham, it's far post. He's like, I didn't want to be offsides, you know, so he's learning what offsides is, and I'm screaming at him far post from the sideline here, and I, I just couldn't get there with him all season, right? Well, he comes to me two weeks ago, right before our last game, and he goes, Dad, I really want to score a goal. Will you help me? It was so beautiful. And, and then I go, well, Graham, it's the far post. He goes, well, what does that mean? And I go, oh, God. <laughs> I've been yelling at this kid every week, far post, far post. And he knows, it's, but he's trying to obey the rules and still be there. And so I literally got out a piece of paper. And I slowly drew a line. I showed him what offsides meant. And I showed him when he passes the ball how you can be here. He goes, oh, I get it now, right? And, I, you know, and I went to Jen. I was like, gosh, I've been a terrible coach. Because every game I yelled at. And in practice, I don't teach him that. You know? And then he finally comes to me like a child, right? Dad, help me. And God, help me see him in that moment. And slow down and sit down with him and and, you know, which God do you see? Is he on the sideline yelling at you? Is he just, come on, get there. Why aren't you doing it? You know, and are you like, oh, God, all sides, I don't know where. You know, is it this back? No, he's gentle and lowly, friends. His heart is for you. He, he, he is, and he, he wishes that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. 
come to him, he says. Take his yoke on you. He's easy. His, his yoke is easy. It's fitting for you. His burden is so light. Get yoked with him and find the rest you need because this has been one heck of a year. It's been one heck of a year plus, and we need the rest that's bigger than a beach. It's, it's bigger than just getting away in the mountains. It's bigger than going to the Caribbean. None of that will give you what he promises to give you. So how do you get it? Get connected with him. Get, and if you are connected with him, ask him to, te- to, to, to teach you, to learn from him the, these beautiful, unforced rhythms of grace. Let's pray. Jesus, too often I hear you on the sideline, at least I believe it's you, yelling at me to be in the right place and, and to don't break the rules and do it right. And, and I miss you, Jesus. I miss that lowly, um, gentle heart that encourages me and is willing to sit down and teach me. Lord, I've, I've made my marriage ultimate, my parenting. Um, my, um, my heart is burdened often, and I'm young in these places. And so, Jesus, I need this. We need this, Lord. We, we don't want to just go away because there's no rest in just being unyoked. The rest is in being yoked by you. So, Jesus, I pray that we would take your yoke upon us today, that we would learn from you, and that we would, above all today, see your gentle and your, your loving heart, your gentle, lowly, loving heart, Lord, that would connect us with the Father. You, you, you say you long to show us the Father. And so, Lord, show us the Father now. Help us see it through confession and at your table. We pray in your great name. Amen. Man, I need-